Well, I was trying to hold my mask on. Um, class, if I could have your attention, we're going to be starting. Uh, there we go, 327 or so, and, and then I have to begin because we're online. <laughs> okay. I'm, I will be using the slides up here, so I, I, mean, I know this is a cavernous room, but I guess you can stay right where you are, no problem, and we'll just, uh, we'll just teach. But, so you can, if you want to move up closer, that's okay, but you certainly, you know, it's not going to make much difference because I can't get everyone speaking anyway. So... I plan to have a much shorter class than I did sermon. I'm going I'm to have to really start watching that more. Maybe the guy who takes my place will have about five minutes. I don't know. Uh, Steve, if you'd close those doors for us, brother. Melissa, would you mind closing those doors? Okay, it looks like we have hardly anyone here, but you know, with this many, with this much room, there's got to be a class of about 25 or 30, so that's good. How are you, Al? Good. Okay, welcome to the Sunday class. We have been talking about knowing God. Brother Al, you can sit there or you can come right through here and sit, brother, if you can. Or that would be just fine too. That's perfect. In fact, I'll walk around here. Um, we have been talking about knowing God. In fact, I alluded to it during the sermon this morning when I used this word, intimacy. Last week, we talked about knowing God passionately, and this week I want to talk about knowing God intimately, and the two words might be very synonymous. Um, in the next few weeks, this is what we'll be looking at. We'll be looking at uh, pursuing God, uh, knowing, understanding that, that God wants more from us, that the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that He wants more from us than just our attendance on a Sunday or 
uh, maybe, a, you know, to say grace at the, at the table, say a blessing over the food, that God expects more of us than that. And the truth is, once we continue to grow more and more like Christ, I'm telling you, folks, and you know this as well. You know. I mean, I can have a hearty amen from everyone. The more we really understand God in our relationship, the more joyful we are, the happier we are. It just works that way. It reminds me, and I've shared this story so many times, and I've always said, when I, I always preface it with, I know you've heard it, but I can't think of a better one to illustrate the point. But we're online, so maybe there'll be some who haven't heard it. We have three sons, Debbie and I, and when they were little bitty kiddos, I'm talking two, three, four, five, I've forgotten, and frankly, which one it was. Might have been Shane or Eric or the oldest one, John Mark. But I remember clearly during the night, they would um, often holler and scream because for whatever reason, one night, I remember hearing them cry, hearing one of them cry. We'll call him Shane. It could have been easily been Shane. I go back into their little bedroom. We had a, always small houses. They were all three always together. But I'd, I'd go back to their little bedroom, and, uh, and I asked, you know, I said, Shane, what's wrong? And he said, Daddy, the light's out. The light's out. It's dark. Well, you know, Debbie would always try to put a nightlight in, and we still use lights all over our house in the evening. I just like a little bit of light when I walk around um, during the night. But anyway... Uh, and I said, well, okay. And he said, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And I said, what are you afraid of? He said, I'm scared of the dark. I said, okay. So I would always invariably uh, just get in bed with him. And um, after a while, I generally would always ask, are you still scared? And invariably, you know, in this case, we'll call it Shane. It could have been any of my three. They would say, no. And I would always follow with, but it's still dark. And it meant a lot to me. It's still dark. So why aren't you still scared? And, and you know the answer. Because you're with me. You're with me. And I've said before, and I really believe this, it's not, it isn't the darkness that scares humanity. It's the aloneness. It's the fact that you th we think at times that we're all by ourselves. Yeah, that's it. It's just me. And it's very lonely. And what God wants to remind us of is you're never alone. And the scripture is replete with that. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because thou art with me. You are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You, know, you um, prepare a table before me even when my enemies are at the door. I have nothing to fear because you're with me. You know, you anoint my head, my cup overflows, etc. Fear, fear no evil because you are with me. So that's what we're talking about. And as we said last week, as a reminder, some people uh, kind of approach God philosophically. God's a concept. They don't really know God. They just know about God. Uh, others might take it a step further and say, well, I want to know God, and I know God informationally. I do read the Bible. And others might say, well... I know God more than informationally. I know God um, religiously. I'm there every Sunday morning in worship. But what God really wants, He wants far more than that. He wants to know us intimately. He wants 
a relationship. And tell me, I can mention anybody here, but I'll mention my good friend uh, Al over there. I've known Al for 15 years. Many of you have known him for, I don't know, Al, you've known a lot of folks for a long time, right? Do you think I know him better now than I did, I don't know, five years ago? I can tell you the answer is yes. Why? Well, because we spend, we've had five years of time together. We've had five years to pray together. We've had five years to talk and to hug. We've had five more years for him to correct all my sermons. We've had five years. He never did that, by the way. We've had, we've had five more years of life together. Relationships grow. Playing golf with Wags over there with Mike made me think of it on Thursday. I've known Mike for 15 years. I've only played golf with him twice, and that was the last couple of weeks. And I already know him better than I did then. Did I like you, brother, prior to? Of course. I thought if somebody had said, is Mike Wagner your friend? I would have said, yes, I know him well. But I know him more now. And God, as our helper, maybe next week, week after, you know, later. The point is relationships grow. Okay. This is the key text. We're going to read it every week, but I'm not going to spend any time on it today. We did that last week. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise men glory in his wisdom. Man, people do that all the time, don't they? Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who boasts glory, um, glory in this, that he understands and knows me. The word uh, well, I'll finish this, pardon me, I thought that was it, and knows me, that I am the Lord, and this is what the Lord wants us to know, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, says the Lord. Now, the word know, I didn't mention it this morning, I thought I would, but, but it will come, you know, uh, the word know in Hebrew is yada, in Greek it's gnosis. The point is, in English it's know, and we use it all the time, you know. Uh, I know Ron, Ron knows me, we're friends. He knows Barbara a whole lot better than he knows me, husband, wife, etc. So there are levels of knowing each other, and we, when it comes to God, we want to strive, aspire to knowing God intimately, Better than I know Debbie, and better than she knows me. In fact, we've said many times the only one that we want to, to love more than each other is Christ. And I really believe that the more I love Christ, and the more she loves Christ, then the more we love each other, the more we relate, the more we know each other, and so forth. Okay, there are multiple spiritual disciplines. Um, I've thought about having a class one day, and perhaps the time will come when we simply go through the disciplines. I know that there was one of our classes who, who taught from Richard Foster's Celebration of Disciplines. I forgot which class that was. If you want to read a good book on the spiritual disciplines, pick up Richard Foster's Celebration of Disciplines. He divides them into three areas, inner disciplines, outer disciplines, and corporate disciplines. And he does it, uh, these are the, the, in fact, these were taken from his book. Uh, I could add disciplines to that. What's a discipline? 
a discipline, a spiritual discipline, is anything that takes effort from me, takes discipline, that helps transform me into the image of Christ. Does prayer help transform you into the image of Christ? Yes, because prayer is a spiritual discipline. It takes energy to pray. And many times we just don't want to quite expend the energy. So we'll use a lot of javelin prayers. I call them javelin, like track meat, not a whole track meat, but a javelin. My dad used that expression. Uh, a lot of uh, instantaneous prayers, you know, little five-second prayers. Lord, be with Debbie. You know, Lord, help me with this message. Lord, help me fulfill my calling. You know, you know, Father, heal whomever. Those are javelin prayers. But the time is also there when we need to simply take, carve out time and spend, if we can, hours, at the very least, minutes with God. And it's a spiritual discipline. The more we pray, so here are the disciplines that Foster categorizes, and I think they're all good. He says the inner disciplines are meditation, study, prayer, and fasting. The outer disciplines are living simple lives, simplicity, solitude, submission, and service. And the corporate disciplines, the church disciplines, are confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. Now, we're not going to go through all of these, but I have three underlined. Because I think the more we understand study, prayer, and worship, really all of them, but the more we really appreciate study, prayer, and worship, the more we will know God. And that's the goal of this class that we're in. You know, learn the Bible, but be able to apply it and know God. Okay. There are all sorts of reasons up there. Some, I mean, those are scriptures that all allude to Bible study. We're not going to spend a lot of time on them. Psalm 119 um, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. First uh, Peter 2, 2, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you might grow up to salvation. And the ultimate word there is the word grow. You want to improve your game? Well, it's not going to work for me to improve anything. My golf game, as an illustration, if I play every Thursday... And that's what I do. I, I just go out there and swing as hard as I can and close my eyes, and that's it. What will it take, Mike? For and, and you know, what what is it? Practice. In fact, practice from somebody who knows what they're doing, so they can correct you. It takes practice. Well, I've had people tell me, "Well, I just don't pray well." well okay. Practice. You know become a conversationalist with God. And if you're not sure, take a text. Take the 23rd Psalm. Take the Lord's Prayer. Read it. Whatever comes to mind, just talk to God. Practice. The more we do that, the more we will know God. Prayer, the same way, Matthew 26, Jesus prayed all the time. Oh, this is his Gethsemane prayer. You know, Father, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, your... How many times did he say that prayer in this context, in Matthew 26 or the other Gospels? How many? Three. Our Lord and Savior three times said this prayer. Why do you think he thought, well, you didn't hear me the first time? No. He's holding conversation. How many times do I repeat myself or you repeat yourself when you're holding a conversation with somebody? 
My boy said it all the time. I had my oldest son who said, Dad, I just finally, you just wore me out. You know, you know it sounds kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it bothered me when he said it, and so we had a, 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 an adult-to-adult conversation. The last thing I would ever want to do was wear one of my children out. Well, the point is, is that when I was parenting and they were little, I wanted, I, I, would, I would say the same thing over and over, just in different words. Why? Because I wasn't sure if they really got it. So I put it in different words and put it in different words. Well, you know, you can do that and converse and get to know someone, but, it, but you want to be careful not to have it too much. Okay, this is what I really want to do, and I've got, I've got only about 10 minutes left. I think when we come together on Sunday... And any other time of the week, but certainly Sunday morning, it's the opportunity to get to know God better, better than we did before. Not an opportunity for us just to sit and sort of check something off. There really is a purpose for gathering together as the family of God, as the groom pardon me, as the bride of Christ with our groom, there's a purpose in us coming together. And that purpose is to become more intimate. That's the purpose. This could go on for, I could talk on this a long time, but everything we do in worship, the, I'm, this is a short version, Cliff's Notes. Christian worship was not all of a sudden created by the early Christian church. It didn't come from nothing. Who were the early Christians? What, what, what race, what nationality were they? Race is the wrong word. What religion were they? They were Jews. Jews. And so they had, the, you know, that's why on, on Passover and Pentecost, from this little 25,000 inhabitant uh, place of Jerusalem would swell to maybe as much as 100,000. So when the early church was, was um, when, it, when it began and the Holy Spirit fell upon everyone and, they, and so the church was established, how did they worship? Well, they simply worshiped in a way that they knew. And the only thing they knew was the way the Hebrews worshiped God in their synagogues. I tell you, church, our Christian worship has its roots in synagogue worship. Well, what, what is synagogue worship? They had three large areas. They, they would do what we call praise. Is it on there? Yeah. Praise, prayer, and instruction. They would praise God in song. They would have their prayers, and they would hear God's instruction from the reading of the, of the Old Testament and, and, in the, uh, and in the sermon time. It's exactly what we do today with the addition of the Lord's Supper. All Christian worship for 2,000 years has been praise, prayer, instruction, plus the Lord's Supper. That's worship. And if you look at it all, it's based on something. The synagogue worship was based on the Exodus event. Exodus, where God delivered His people out of physical bondage. And so when they got together for the Sabbath worship, and for their holy day worships, everything fed back in to where we're the family of God. He, he delivered us from bondage. Well, Christian worship is based on the only event that's somewhat equitable, even more so the Christ event. 
the fact that Jesus died, was buried, and raised for us. So Christian worship celebrates the fact that God delivered us from spiritual bondage. And so that's why we come together. And the more I understand that connection, that all we're doing is reenacting our salvation. Can visitors come? Sure. They come and they can learn, but they don't, if they're not Christians, they don't understand the connection. We need to. So I implore you, when it comes to getting to know God, think about these things. Understand that the more you can connect with Christ and the fact that you've been saved, not from your own works, but through His grace, then the more intimate you want to become. And it's, and it's you know, sequential. It, it, it grows. It gets better and better and better and better and better. Do you think it's by accident that God wanted elders? And by the way, the word means old. Old. Now we can talk about the age later, but I'm telling you the word means old. It means older. Why would God want older men to help feed and direct the flock because they know Christ. They know the chief shepherd. They should. So we as God's people, we need to grow. So really, um, I, I'm, oh, I was going to even say this. I guess we can close with this. this is the, there's an order to, there was an order to synagogue worship, and there's an order to Christian worship. There was an order to my relationship with Debbie. Now, forget the fact that we knew each other when we were little bitty children, but when I came back and she was 19 and I was 22, it was uh, entirely different. So our relationship then was, I asked her to go out with me on a date. There was this calling. I was calling her, you know, will you... Will you be with me for this date. Now, my purpose wasn't to end with the call. If I liked what I was experiencing, then it would go further. Now, she had to respond. Eventually, I said, will you marry me? And she could have said yes or no. If she had have said no, it's over. The relationship is over. So I called. God called. She responded. And then we become one. We have the marriage moment. We become husband and wife. You know, we are, one in, we are one and so forth. Well, there is that same order to every relationship. Now, don't take it so far that you lose when it talks about the, you know, the intimacy of the bed. I'm talking about every relationship, Ron and I. I would say, Ron, I, I, I want to be your friend, and Ron comes back. If not words by action, that he comes back and says, yeah, I want to be your friend too. And then we become friends, and the more we become friends, we know each other. We become one. Well, the same thing isn't true in worship. <clears throat> it's not by accident. God calls us, we respond, we say yes, and then we have this moment. I can tell you later on, we can, we can talk about it in, in the future, but that's where... I really believe the Lord's Supper comes in. And with this, we're going to close. Because for me, worship is an intimate relationship with God and with you. I hear God's calling. 
the moment Joe David starts us in song, I hear God calling. And in song and prayer, praise and prayer and instruction, God calls, I respond, we have this relationship. And then it's consummated in the table, at the table, where we become one. And you can't read the text in the New Testament without saying that has to be it. The bread which we break, is it not a fellowship, a participation in the uh, body of Christ? The cup which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? We who are one become many, uh, we who are many become one because we break the one bread. Anyway, I, I would encourage you to consider worship a great opportunity to get close to God. I'd love to ask for questions, but in fact, I don't guess it would do a whole lot of good. So God bless you. Um, let's close with the word of prayer, and then, uh, and then this lesson will be yours. Righteous God, we thank you so much. Thank you for being within us, your Holy Spirit. Thank you for having, you know, everyone here. Lord, I pray that everyone in this uh, sanctuary and everyone at home, that you will bless them. Bless their homes, bless their relationships, bless their families, keep them all safe. If they're ill, if they're Ill Father, we ask for you to heal them. We ask for your presence to just bring joy to our lives. And we offer this in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you.